Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the first as a champion. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And we will be discussing the AFC East champion Buffalo Bills at length, like we do every week, because that is the nature of this podcast. Um, but for the first time, this is it. We got a little we got a little sticker to put on the helmet, guys. We got a patch to put on the jersey. We get a little trophy. We get a little little something something for the, the T-shirt. You get yeah. I yeah. did not yeah. The shirts are ugly. I like the hats okay, but uh, I was disappointed by look. Twenty six shirts is great, but I didn't like their 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 Grinchy shirt. It wasn't for me. But they'll come up with something I want eventually. But the point is, guys, in the first time in our in in our storied history, um, the Bills have a little claim to some hardware. And I know it's not the big one, but uh, and there are bigger ones, but it counts for something. And so I would like to turn to um, Buffalo's own Paul first, and then we'll return to, then we'll go to recently repatriated Scott for his thoughts. Um, feel free to discuss either the 48-19 victory over the Denver Broncos or your feelings uh, regarding the championship Buffalo Bills. What a game and, and what a season it's been. And it's funny, this will be three straight weeks where I will have really struggled to find something to complain about as far as the gameplay goes. The regular season is winding down. We are three weeks away and the Buffalo Bills are playing their best football of the year as we head into that key point in time. What is it has been 25 years. I was I was 17 years old. Frank mm-hmm. was was also 17 just years old. Just turning 18. Yeah, or just turned 18. Yeah, that's right. And it was. Uh, you didn't know at the time that the next time the Bills were going to win the AFC East, the quarterback of that team was not yet born. That was that was not something that went through our heads. We kind of assumed after the run in the late 80s through the early to mid 90s that the AFC championship was going to be a regular season, you know, a regular, a regular thing. The other teams were all kind of mediocre for a while. Then the Patriots got a bit better and then Indy got a bit better. And then Vinny Testaverde resurrected his career with the jets. And then yeah, Peyton Manning was drafted. Things happened that threw this all off course, horribly, horribly off course. And then the bills hired a string of mediocre coaches. I won't give the full history lesson here other than to say, we have all been through some shit folks. This has been a very difficult life for some people to be a fan because they're only 25 years old and have never known anything but the Jerron era being the glory days to them. So this is really just just sit back and enjoy this is what I encourage everyone to do. And I mentioned that last week as well. I'm not going to you know check out what's going on with the salary cap for next year. I am not concerning myself with the draft. I am just focusing on what a joy this has been to watch such a good, fun, entertaining team week in and week out. And it's so nice to have this, as I call it on Twitter, not just the monkey off the back, but King Kong off the back. And hopefully this is the beginning of some some great things yet to come for 2020 and early 2021. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, it's it's a different, um, it's a very different feeling for <laughs> Bill Because it is, uh, it is, odd um to because like we have the we have the the beginning of the season feeling where it's like you know maybe you don't have high hopes but it's the beginning of the season and by definition you're 
you haven't lost any games yet, or maybe you've only lost one or two, and you're you're kind of well, the the bloom is you know maybe you'll 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 be excited to see the new players and and figure out how they fit in, and maybe they've gotten better in some areas than last season, and you hope they don't get any worse than the ones that they were good at. Um, and then we've had we've had the feeling of you know boy, there were some close games that could have gone our way, and if we were just a little bit tighter, we'd be in a better spot, but we're still not out of it. We've had boy, this is a really garbage team. Let's just get this season over with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've had, I don't even know why I'm watching this team anymore. What, what am I doing? How do I not have something better to do with my Sundays? Um, we have had, boy, if three things go right this Sunday, then maybe we'll be in a slightly better chance of getting close to the playoffs, which is a fun one. Mm-hmm. And then the last, and then like two years ago, we, we legit had, um, you know, the, it was two years ago, or was it three years ago? It's three years ago. We had the, no, literally, if we do, if one other thing happens and we do our thing, then that's, then, then we're in, that's a thing that's going to happen. And then like, and that was awesome. Like that was awesome. But you didn't go into that game with like a kind of relaxed, like, you know, kind of uh, expectation that you're going to win. Certainly is certainly not what we had going into that. Uh, my, it was Miami. We were playing, right? Yep. Yeah. The Bengals were the playing the Ravens. Um, the, you know, we certainly didn't have like an expectation to win. Um, last year was a little different because we had a little bit earlier on that we could clinch and we did uh, against the Steelers. That was obviously fun, but there's no expectation. We were going to go into the Steelers building and win and beat, you know, even duck Hodges. Um, you know, that was, that was a tough, that wasn't, like this was um, the idea that we could, you know, we had the division in front of us in a home playoff game and we were favorites and, you know, like all of us picked us to win. I mean, I thought, I thought Denver was going to put up a little more of a struggle, but they clearly didn't. I think um, it was, it was a very odd sensation and I'm looking to, to enjoy that sensation further in future years where you get to, where you get to show up to games and be like, yeah, I think we're going to win. And the excitement that comes with showing up and doing that and not having the kind of, I mean, there still probably will be, because I am who I am in card, some anxious <laughs> work in the, in the, the back of my head that, you know, someone's going to come onto the field and hit Josh Allen in the leg with a tire iron or something. But <laughs> short of, uh, is Jeff Galuvi still alive? Are we okay? Yeah, whoever stabbed Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, like there's very little ch- like there's a good chance that you're going to show up as a Bills fan and win. And like, that's pretty crazy. And that things are going your way. Like, it's a very odd sensation and one that I certainly haven't felt a lot of 2020. Very rarely this year. That's a bit like, boy, things are just coming up me today. <laughs> I feel yeah. like most of the world has felt that 2020 has not been their year, but it has been the Bills year. Just yeah. as just as we all know. And the meteor strike should be coming around the corner any day. So just yeah. drink it in, folks. This could be the last podcast you listen to. Yeah, right. The day before the Super Bowl or the day after, right? Dude, that's <laughs> the only question. Um, by the way, when Scott says, uh, you know, I haven't, I don't have a lot of experience with this this feeling, and I look to enjoying this feeling further. Those were actually his wedding vows, and Paul and I can vouch for <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, so, we were right there, right there in the, the congregation. <laughs> yeah, we were there. Uh, no, uh, I look, it's it is. I I think that you're right. I think that you could probably 
summarize the last 20 years and certainly the last eight years of this podcast um, in a number of different ways. In the Hunt might be one of those ways. And I think Paul, Scott nails it perfectly to describe the machinations that involved. Like you were either done or you were hoping for, you know, one of those overly complicated machine mousetrap machines to 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 trigger in exactly the right way. And and this time we're looking at other games more so to like shore things up as opposed to like do anything. Last year was last year was the but for the Patriots year, right? Like the Bills were the Bills were a good team and it was the quote but for the Patriots, maybe they'd be fighting for a division at this point. Um and sure enough, no no Patriots and it's kind of been all Buffalo. Now, you know, Miami has come on late, but you know, too late, to be honest. And certainly this Bills team is much better than last year's team. Um, but I think one of the things to keep in context is um, that this is one of the best Bills teams, period, question mark. And I, I you, that's a hard thing to say with two AFL championships and, um, you know, O.J. Simpson years, which I don't really want to bring up, but also four Super Bowl years, um, you know, Good years, even in the drought with guys like, you know, Bledsoe and, and Fitzpatrick, you think there were there were good years. This is this is a transcendent year um, in many ways already, regardless of how it ends. Um, and I think that I'm going to use that as a springboard to get us back into the game. Um, first play of the offense, you know, Stefan Diggs sets the the all time receptions uh, for the Buffalo Bills with his 101st catch. He obviously goes on to get a handful of more. He's he's within I think I, t- I texted you guys. It's like 50 or 60 yards away from from Eric Mould's um, all time yardage for receiving. Uh, Allen statistically is either, you know, within throw. He, he got half of the yards he needed. Exactly to get to exactly 4,000 yards. And so he's 359 yards away from Drew Bledsoe. But, I mean, he's three passing touchdowns away from Jim Kelly. He's, like, he's all but locked up kind of completion percentage, you know, at this point. Um, certainly rushing touch. He set the, the the franchise career record for rushing touchdowns. Uh, this is a very special team. Um, and it's 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 was nice to see them over the last few weeks – I feel like every week since the the Arizona game, we have said that was their best game yet. I know this is a weaker opponent than even Pittsburgh, which will 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 hammer Pittsburgh in a minute. Um, but you know, I think that Denver's like a classically weak team that couldn't um, do it. But I, I had said to you guys on Sunday, this was a Patriots game in reverse. The Bills were the superior team, and not only were they the superior team, they just sort of like like held. Denver's face in the dirt the whole game the way that New England does when they want to and it it even included like that weird little play towards the beginning of the game where it's like I don't know Denver's like have got a little bit of weird luck here and they they get this you know punt recovery fumble and they score a touchdown and then it was like no and the Bills are up 25 and they're throwing deep on first down and it was just this reckless abandon of uh not even reckless it was abandoned it was it was structured abandon that was um, <laughs> that was you know also a description for our pod exactly structured <laughs> abandon uh they that's 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 my new punk cover band have, right? you, have um, you seen them down at the wharf yeah pretty, structured abandon yeah it's like and, a little bit of ska but but they've also got some more kind of emo notes it's good 
In the hunt opens for them. Exactly. Right. Um, so what, what I'm trying to say was like Buffalo put together, like, I, I think the one thing that had been missing from the season was dominating a weaker team completely start to finish. And that's what happened in, in Denver. They went on the road. They had as you know, if you've been betting with Frank, you've been making money this week, this year. Uh, unfortunately, Frank hasn't been betting with Frank, so Frank <laughs> is not making money this year. But I told you, they had, you know, a Sean McDermott team is going to come out, and they are going to, you know, be prepared to put something away, and they certainly did. Um, so let's take another pass. Let's talk about our impressions of the game. I, I've already started a little. Let me let me go a little long. Um, I mean, I, I, I agree with Paul. I, I can't really come up with anything to complain about um you know they certainly the muffed punt was if it wasn't you know pro bowler kick returner andre roberts who did it uh maybe i'd be more frustrated with that but i mean the guy's been lights out all year and that was just sort of a weird thing cory bohorquez one punt 63 yards <laughs> i like you literally can't complain about that uh um <laughs> You know, Although Reed Ferguson online, hilarious, and we'll get to the Pro Bowl, of course, later. But someone said, oh, do you think Corey was snubbed? And he's like, he said something along the lines of, well, it's, you know, hard to uh, get in the Pro Bowl when you don't have to punt. Thanks, Josh Allen. Yeah, so, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and everybody else played well, including, you know, perhaps the most the most charmed play of the year. You know, you send Trey White on a blitz who crushes Drew Locke from behind in like a absolute photograph worthy sack. And then Jerry Hughes, um, Jerry Hughes wanted to score a touchdown more than anybody (laughs) has ever wanted anything in the universe. And he manifested his own destiny on that play because it looked insane. And then I I don't know, for me, the Devin Singletary touchdown, which we talk about him zigzagging. We've talked about why doesn't Devin Singletary just run straight ahead and that to me, like that final touchdown was like, I don't know why he just didn't run straight ahead, but like he was definitely doing the tech mobile Bo Jackson thing where you're so fast, you can literally run backwards and up and down the field and kill the whole two minutes of the clock. I don't know. They, they seemed absolutely blessed as well as like good. So let's 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 reverse snake draft this. We'll go to Scott and then Paul and then we'll go right to three stars because obviously the meat and potatoes of this podcast is is what's ahead of us here. Yeah, no, I mean, no, I think, yeah, it was, it's weird to do, again, weird in a lot of ways this year and this, this, doing this pod this year. Um, but, but yeah, like the, the, it's less interesting to talk about, well, yeah, they did everything well, the end, like, like Alan was making good decisions. And I, I told the guys on Sunday, you know, when he's making good decisions, there's not a lot that you can do to stop him. I mean, it's really, you can, you can try and rush the passer and, and, and put him on his back. And obviously like, if you're good enough, the line is the line played really well on Sunday. And that was the other caveat. If he's making good decisions and the line's playing well with the weapons that we have, he's going to find somebody open. And if it's, even if it's freaking Jake Kumaral for the, for the the 13th man, right. To score. Yeah. To tie the NFL record with like different touchdowns. Doing that. He's, Ryan, like we were already talking about on Sunday, there was the play where Ryan Bates was called for offensive pass <laughs> appearance in the end zone, and he's like, we were just like, well, that's his job. He's a he's a lineman. He's gonna block. Um, but like they're definitely gonna try and get either him or Dawkins a touchdown this year to kind of complete the deal. Um, also, I think Singletary could get one because he hasn't gotten yeah. a receiving touchdown. Um, but they're definitely gonna make that happen. And <clears throat> another great game by Dable. 
Um, the receivers, you know, a uh, couple little drops here and there, nothing crazy. Um, Knox didn't screw up anything big, caught the touchdown. Um, you know, the defense, again, playing not quite lights out, but, but boy, they're playing pretty well. Uh, certainly good enough. Lights to beat, dimmed, certainly. Yeah, certainly lights dimmed. And playing good enough to beat a, you know, kind of, you know, again, mediocre mediocre to bad Denver team that, that you know, was playing for – uh, not really playing for anything. I think they technically had a, maybe had a, no, I don't think they, they wouldn't. They, have did, they, had a, they had a tiny playoff shot, but it involved, it, it involved in planets in retrograde and stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah but exactly. it, did, it so, did put the nail in their coffin. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, uh, certainly as the, as the, the announcers pointed out, you know, with a young team trying to figure things out, trying to figure out if Juvon <sighs> is going to be the guy or not. So, um, you know, they had a reason to, to go out there and try hard. And the, yeah, the bills just came in and kind of, you know, there was the short field touchdown. There was the prevent defense going into half touchdown. And there was the prevent defense going into the fourth quarter touchdown. And if those are the only touchdowns you're giving up, you're probably going to win most games because those you're not playing prevent defense unless you're up by a lot. So, uh, yeah, there's not much to, to say. I mean, I think, yeah, you'd like the run game to be a little bit better. Um, you know, yeah, I guess that's it. I mean, I'm not really going to get all bent out of shape out of it when we obviously score 48 points. So it's not like it's really holding the team back. I mean, I think um, Bass played well. I, I got I got nothing. There's not a lot else <laughs> left, Paul. Yeah, same same boat. I liked your sign because it, when you're talking about the running game, it's like, well, I can't really complain about it too much because they did get, you know, Moss had 80-some yards and Singletary had the big run. It's It gets frustrating to not be able to complain. Uh, you know, so I guess our pod's over. No, the yeah, um, right. what was funny when when Frank was talking about the Jerry Hughes thing, I remember watching it when I was watching that play live. It was between him and Teron Johnson to get the ball, and Teron Johnson was headed toward the end zone. And Hughes picked up, I'm like, oh crap, that could have been a touchdown if Teron had done been able to do a scoop and score, he has momentum that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what Jerry did was the likes of something I've never seen. And then I actually read an article that he was a highly decorated running back in high school. And when he got to Texas Christian university, he assumed he was there to be a running back. And it wasn't until day one, they gave him the number 98 and he's like, huh, I guess they're red shirting me and they're just giving me 98. Okay, whatever. I can prove it to myself. And then they're like, okay, get in a stance. He's like, huh, I guess they're thinking of me as a fullback. And they're like, put your foot back. He's like, oh crap. And that's when he realized he was no longer a running back, but he looked like Jerry Hughes, the running back on that play he needed better ball security though like that was ridiculous the way he was holding the football yes but continue sorry on early (laughs) and running with the football yes (laughs) he was he was mccoy in it he was cantaloping it a little bit so yes but it was defense the run defense we haven't talked about much in weeks because they've been just so much better obviously denver didn't really have a chance to do much with the run after about halfway through the third quarter because they were down by a billion points by that time Pass defense continues to make make plays, or in this case, it was Trey White on the strip sack that on the play we just talked about. And on the offense, we've barely talked about Josh Allen in a 359-yard, what was it, two TD, no interception performance, plus a running TD. I, I don't remember because he threw about 17 touchdowns, and 14 of them or so were called back on penalties. So that's one. Uh, there we go. I can nitpick that. Penalties. Too many damn penalties, especially in the red zone. We got a question on that later. Yes, go ahead. But otherwise, you know, complete performance. I, I, yes, Scott said run game could be better. I would agree with that. Uh, But they still made some plays in the running game, which was nice to see. 
Diggs and Beasley were Diggs and Beasley. Jay Kumrow got in the offense for the first time ever uh, since he was with Green Bay anyway. They have the chance to get a 14th touchdown. They do. The other thing I'll nitpick is too many plays in if it's from the one or two yard line where the intended receivers are guys like Ryan Bates and Ty and Secchi and Lee Smith. You know, I understand we're trying to get 14 guys to catch touchdowns so we can break the record. But, you know, maybe maybe a little less creativity on the goal line, except for the Statue of Liberty handoff to Singletary. That was amazing. And they should that do that so every good. now. That was yeah. so good. Oh, man. <laughs> he had it. He had it. It was there. He did. I was uh, tear in my eye when I saw that play and then outright sobbing when I saw the penalty. So it was it was just a brilliant game. And I'm I'm just Biden time until they they play again on Monday because this is a fun team to watch. It is. It's a little hard to wait. I, like I have found myself more angry about the late starts and the delays because I just want to get to the next game. And at this point, I'm like, now that like they're kind of, you know, they're in the two seat as as we speak. Um, I'm just ready for the playoffs to start. Like I can, and and it's it's so funny to be playing a meaningless game against New England at the end of the season and not have that mean what it's meant over the last 20 years. Um, but we're here. Um, let me quickly say uh, congratulations to Jake Camerow, who um, if you can find the little gif online of like the how tight the window actually was for that touchdown is is remarkable. And I love that Josh Allen has the confidence in him to throw that football like he's just like, yep, we're going to get you a touchdown. Here we go. Um, and I had something else and I've lost it, Scott. So I'm just going to turn it over to three stars and I'm sure we'll find it in a minute. I'm, of course, stro- scrolling through our, our listener questions and comments um, as we do this. But I mean, good luck, Scott, picking just three good players out of this team. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, you know, yeah, some people in Denver had some decent games. You know, Fant had a nice touchdown in the end zone there. Gordon had the two TDs, honorable mentions, sure. Um, other honorable mentions you could point to, um, you know, Tremaine Edmonds had a pretty decent game. Uh, Ed Oliver got on the board with a sack. Uh, Addison got on board with a sack. Um, so those are nice to see. Um, yeah, like Paul was saying, Bajorquez had a good game. Beasley, another ho-hum, eight catches, 112 yards. <laughs> right, know, right. It's, it's, it's career, like, he's got all his career highs already with two games yeah. to go. 50, 50 yards to get a thousand for Cole Bleasley, which is just yeah. He's go ahead. Sorry, it's it's crazy. It just it you thought that he would have had one of those already, all those years in Dallas with with good good players with with Tony Romo and Dak Prescott guys offenses that threw the ball, but but you know doing better here than he's ever done in his career, and and I'm glad that that's happy because I think I was he's one of the guys I was a little worried about in the sense of like. He was someone who we brought in. I think he assumed he'd be getting a big role, and I think he is getting a big role. Now, relatively speaking, he's still probably the number three guy when John Brown's healthy. But mm-hmm. in actuality, he's still he's still doing way better than everybody than his whole careers. And I hope he remembers that when it comes time to contract season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we uh, got him for we got him for two more years under contract, so we're good. Yeah. So. Um, Anyway, the more three stars we could we could get to. I am going to give uh, the I'm going to give an honorary fourth star to Jordan Poyer. Eight tackles uh, on the afternoon. Maybe not his best game. Maybe didn't fill up the stat sheet. But he's been a core part of a very good what has been a very good defense, at least for the last six or seven weeks um, and been a better player than that 
for the entire season. So I think he should get a little recognition for that. So I'm giving him a fourth star. There it is. I can do that. It's my segment. Mm. At least someone's recognizing Listen, Jordan Poyer. Like, also, we win the championship, and all of a sudden, like, there's no rules to anything anymore. Look at this. It's just Scott's just, drunk with power and happiness. That's, that's I love it. Living together. Um, third drunk star. With, drunk with power and liquor. No. Yes. Um, the third star goes to Stefan Diggs. 11 catches, 147 yards. Um, obviously, had the very nice long catch. Um, obviously continues to be the guy who we can we can go to Beasley on third down and we can go to Diggs on third down. And I think that is really fantastic that we have two guys who are willing to go over the middle and make tough catches and actually just make the catch and get down and not – sometimes they'll F around a little bit. But for the most part, they kind of remember that on third down, you really just need to catch the ball and sure, get yards if you can, but – just don't freaking turn it over or whatever and make the catch first and then worry about everything else later. Mm -hmm. The focus that's coming with that is very helpful. The second star I give to Trey White, who had a very nice game on Sunday, obviously had the big sack force fumble uh, that we mentioned, also had, I think, at least one or two pass deflections, if I'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken. Um, Two, yep, and had three more tackles. So that's uh, another great day at the offense for uh, what I would hope to be an all-pro season for for Trey White with Stefan Gilmore now kind of increasingly being kind of less the assumed best cornerback in the AFC kind of he's uh, not here. even a pro bowl starter this year Stefan Gilmore so he's a pro bowl backup but you know um yeah and then uh first star goes to Josh Allen again 28 of 40 359 yards two touchdowns a sack QBR 98.2 which if I'm not mistaken is 1.8 points off of perfect, correct? Because it's out of 100 yep. is QBR. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, making great decisions. Um, also had the the three carries for 33 yards and two touchdowns. Um, still showing the athleticism. You know, it's going to be, um, you know, he's going to be fun to watch. Uh, someone I was uh, reading on Sunday was saying, you know, um, uh, or, or Monday was saying, this is Josh Allen's first AFC East title. He has already he has been more fun watching this season than Tom Brady's been in any of the seasons he's ever played. And I mm-hmm. kind of agree with that because like Tom Brady was just he was as Frank I think pointed out last week or the week before he was always just the guy who made the right decision and he had the and he had the arm strength to kind of execute it and that's that is why he's the greatest quarterback of all time is he always made the correct decision and had the arm strength to execute it. Josh Allen is not quite making all the perfect decisions all the time, but he is making completely – some of the decisions he's making are stupid, but he's still making them work because he's so physically gifted. Mm-hmm. And some of the stupid decisions he makes are just so baffling that they're enjoyable to watch for a different reason. There have been far less of those recently, which is good, and that's why the team is 11-3 and and AFC East champs. So those are your three stars. Uh, at, you know what made me excited was as you were doing this and I knew Alan was going to be the first star, I got to a weird place where I imagined a world where you and I and Paul would all have to agree that Josh Allen was the perennial first star and he would have to sort of be retired from getting first stars because it would make the segment boring. And yeah. I, I was like kind of like like if you were a, if you were a New England fan in the last 20 years, like you couldn't do this segment the same way because like. God, it would be awful if you just said Tom Brady like every time. Like I so anyway. Yeah. Um, as far as QBR and 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 rating, just so you know, like I hadn't looked at them until now. Uh, Josh Allen right now having better than any other Bills quarterback season right now in both QBR and the in the traditional quarterback rating. 
Um, he's at 104.2, which is currently ahead of Jim Kelly's 101.2 for, you know, a starter. This is the interesting thing I, I looked at because, okay, I was looking at interception completion percentage, right? Interception percentage, not number of interceptions, but interception percentage. And, you know, I just wanted to see where he ranked against starters and stuff because he's he's still under 10 interceptions for the year, which is which is remarkable. It's Tyrod Taylor-esque, except he's throwing touchdowns. Um, one, two, three. So there are five Buffalo Bill. There are five Buffalo Bills seasons um, and four players where somebody has a 100 percent interception percentage rating, which means they threw exactly one pass. <laughs> and that one pass was intercepted. Would you like to guess any of the people who have that? I know that you've heard of three of them. I didn't. I was when Brad Smith was with Buffalo. Didn't he throw like two or three passes and they were all intercepted? Brad Smith on two different seasons, 2011 and 2012, threw one pass for the year <laughs> and they were intercepted. He was 2011 and 2012. Someone did it in 2003. Hmm. For the Bills, we're talking the, about. These are all for the Bills. These are five people for the Bills. Travis they, Henry. I was going to say. Go ahead. Who are you going to say? I was going to say Reimers because I thought he was a quarterback, but I guess he might have been gone in 03. So I'm wrong. he might have been gone in 03, and I don't see him on the list. But it was in fact Travis Henry. Yes. Who threw one pick? Uh, you know. Uh, this and is then, why Paul doesn't do. This is why we don't have Paul do. <laughs> yes, exactly. You ever wondered why? Why is it that Paul always does this segment? <laughs> because Paul knows, right? Paul knows. Um, I think that was against, if I remember, it was against Green Bay oh, in the stop. end zone. Showing off. You know what's funny is Brad Smith has like a QBR of eighty-four point three, despite throwing one pick. <laughs> For um, so the the last two, Joe Cribs, sorry, Joe Cribs in nineteen eighty-two. I should have had you guess him. I didn't mean to do that. Um, and a wide receiver in nineteen sixty-nine. <sighs> Wide receiver, 16. Was Benyon still around? I don't know if he was around, but it's not the answer. Haven Moses. I'll just keep naming guesses because I, unless Scott has the answer and he's just holding off on us. Okay, so a recently, so a a, an old time, think of an old time WWF WWE wrestler who was around in the front office for a long time. His last name, he died recently. Not Pat Patterson, the other one. Laura Knight is no. Um, let's see. Front office guy wasn't Patterson who died recently. Went to the front office. Was it Rhodes? No. No. All right. Well, we're gonna have a long this day in Bill's headline, so I'm just gonna go. Marlon Briscoe. So oh Jerry Brisco, yes. Jerry Briscoe, Jerry who Brisco. I think is dead. I think is dead. So hopefully, sorry Jerry, if you're alive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm googling that uh, out because I don't remember. Uh, him dying he's he's alive 74 no yeah. sorry sorry jerry briscoe uh yeah marlon briscoe of the of the you know denver team and then buffalo for a number of years before going over to miami detroit san diego and new england um before retiring that is this day in weird bills um beer bills factual matters uh quick shout out to bills and beers who was one called back touchdown away from winning $1,200, basically, on a $5 <laughs> bet. Um, we feel for you guys. But also, if you have a problem, call a gambling addiction hotline. Uh, the Bills have are sending five people to the Pro Bowl. And 
a sixth person should be in the Pro Bowl but isn't. Um, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Tredavious White, uh, Andre Roberts, and then Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker, which is the one that we all agree we scratch our head a little on. We congratulate Mr. Edmonds um, for his his win. I thank him for his Bills fan box, which was excellent this week. Um, but Jordan Poyer snubbed, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. yeah, go. you guys are stronger. Look, I've always felt like the pro ball is a bit of a popularity contest anyway. I try not to get too worked up about it. Um, I think all the very popular players won. I, I think Jordan Poyer should be more popular than he is. He should get more recognition than he does, but he didn't. And to me, it's not a huge deal. Um, but I, I give you guys the opportunity. Paul, you start. Take the floor if you want to say anything. Sure. One thing I have to point out is that eight seconds ago, we were just joking about the Bills and Beers gambling addiction. They have sent us their latest card, uh, their latest parlay effort. It is a $20 wager. So we'll should I? That. Yeah, I'll, I'll read that later. Okay. Sure. Um, and then one quick thing before we get to the Pro Bowlers, I just wanted, because Scott brought this up and then I researched it, Josh Allen's QBR against Denver on Saturday, the fourth best ever, 98.2. Ben Roethlisberger is number one. Uh, Mike Vick was number two. Tom Brady, number three, with a 98.9 uh, QBR against Buffalo uh, in 07 in that 56 to 10 game. So thank you, ESPN UK. This was the only place I could find those stats. But I'm glad it's got to point that out. Um, so yeah, the, the, the Pro Bowls, I, I am in, listen, the Roberts, definitely. I can't imagine there's a debate. Congratulations to him. Allen and Diggs, you know, find me. You can really only say besides Allen and Diggs, you have Mahomes and, and uh, Tyreek Hill. Or no, I shouldn't even say it. Mahomes and Kelsey. That's really the only other you know, combination I think can really make a solid argument is more difficult. I'm sure I have upset some uh, some fans of the Chargers there, but, you know, no one quite fears Justin Herbert yet, even though we all agree he's going to probably be a very, very good quarterback in this league. So Robert's good. Al good. Diggs good. Um, you think I would, uh, you know, I made the agenda. You think I'd remember who the other, oh yeah, Trey. Easy to forget Trey because all he does is keep people from catching the ball. Uh, he's also a big play Trey. He still leads in the, since 2017, no one has recovered more fumbles and made more interceptions in the second half than Tredavious White. And I expect him to be that perennial all pro type of guy, the way his career has started. Edmonds. Yeah, this is, this is where, you know, Frank was calling it a popularity contest. This is kind of what measures into it. He gets a lot of hype. He struggled mightily much, much of this year, you know, large, owing in large part to the shoulder injury from everything we've seen because he's been leagues better. Uh, the second Leslie Frazier said he was looking forward to seeing Tremaine the next week because he was finally over the injury. And it was even better this week when Milano was on the field a bit because it allows him to do more things uh, or do different things. But I didn't really think he had a Pro Bowl type season. But yeah, I think Poyer is the one that uh, Bill's Mafia online is noted as the, the biggest snub. I mean, you look at the fact that he leads in pretty much Every significant category, I should say every significant category, but so many significant categories for safeties. And yet uh, he's for some reason, they just don't give him the the level of respect he deserves. Fifth in the NFL in solo tackles, ninth in total tackles. He's the only one who's of those players on those lists who's got, you know, multiple interceptions and multiple force fumbles. He's got five special teams tackles. He's. And if you go by other metrics, you look at the fact that there's not a lot of passes completed near him. 
Uh, he's not like he's getting those tackles by giving up a ton of receptions. So, you know, I think that's the biggest snub. Otherwise, I get Bajorquez not making it because he doesn't punt much. Uh, and the guy's got, guy, guy, I forgot which punter it was, but I remember thinking, oh, yeah, that guy, that guy deserved it. Tough to give it to more guys on defense simply because, one, I don't think they have anyone hugely deserving. And two, they, were, as a whole, weren't very good on defense this year until the last few weeks. Uh, and offensively, you know, their best offensive line has been Feliciano, and he's only played four or five weeks. Beasley, I feel, is the one you could make an argument for in that they've selected four excellent receivers for the Pro Bowl. It was Diggs, it was Keenan Allen, it was Tyreek Hill. I forgot the other guy, uh, the Tennessee guy. I can never remember his name. But I kind of feel like, you know, you should pick two outside receivers and a slot guy. That's what this should be. You know, that those are mm-hmm. the Pro Bowl. And then pick six total receivers, not four, because no one's lined up with a fullback anymore. So, you know, it's, I felt that was a bit of a snub, but otherwise, you know, congratulations to these guys. And as Scott mentioned, when we talked about the Pro Bowl yesterday uh, via messaging, what a nice change of pace to have five guys uh, who are, you know, Pro Bowlers in a year, in, in a year where there's no replacements, just five guys who made the team straight up. It is weird. And I will give one of you a research challenge. I would bet that there are probably years that I feel like we've gotten four or five Pro Bowlers in the drought because we've had... Hmm very good players on the team at the same time at various points. Like, I mean, a couple of years ago with the cold front, we would have had at least two or three guys who were potential pro bowlers. And then you think that one or two other guys would have been on there, but it is, it is interesting. I, I agree that with Paul's statement that is, is the defense cohesively in general plays very well the last couple of weeks, but there have, they don't have the kind of traditional stars the big pass rushing, you know, Jerry Hughes is obviously a good pass rusher. Mario Addison's rushed the passer. We have guys who can do it in spurts, but we also rotate the guys a lot so they don't get the kind of same stats that if someone's, you know, if Aaron Donald's playing 89% of the snaps for the Rams, he was going to make the Pro Bowl anyway, but his numbers are going to look good because he's playing that many snaps, whereas Jerry Hughes is only playing half the snaps. He's not going to get as many on a, on a counting kind of statistical thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty happy with the selections. I, You know, I think... Tremaine, I think Tremaine is probably fair. I think it's a little bit a substance for me of the um, of the AFC NFC breakdown because in the NFC there are probably more of the traditional kind of guys and names that you would expect to be Pro Bowler. Obviously, they, they've got the names. You know, they've got some names on there now. They've got Bobby Wagner, Fred Warner, Jason um, Jason Pierre-Paul. I was not expecting to be on the list. I'll admit that. <laughs> Zadarius Smith, Khalil Mack, like those are all kind of no doubts, but like the guys, the other guys in Tampa Bay, Levante David and Devin White, um, Deion Jones in, in for the Falcons, like there's a lot of really good linebackers in the NFC and there's not as many in the AFC. So I think that's some of it. If you were doing a top 10 linebackers in the league, maybe Trey's not on that list. Tremaine Edmonds is not on that list, but he is on the list of the top six in the AFC, which is whatever. It's not the end of the world. He's certainly can play very well. He just didn't do it for some of the season. Um, in terms of Poyer, I think, obviously, I agree. I think he deserves it. That's why he got the honorary four star. I think the the challenge is there is a bit of kind of, um, there's a bit of the name thing with Matthew, um, Teron Matthew, and he also had the interceptions this year to back it up, which again, you know, some of that's, you know, I, he's making good plays, good for him. You know, you can get down to who deserves it and how you want to count. Um Obviously, there's going to be teams throwing a lot more against Kansas City because they're always going to be coming back against that high-powered Kansas City offense. But you could also probably at this point say the same thing about the Bills. 
that there's going to be plenty of opportunities for guys to get interceptions and things just because of the um, the having to go against this tough Bills offense that scores a lot of points. So, yeah. So to answer your question, oh sorry. Oh, you were you going to do the Pro Bowl answer, uh, Frank? I was. If Go you if you include alternates, then yes, this has happened. Um, but, it, good... it, but if you don't include alternates, this is the first time in the drought that since the drought that it's happened. They've had four a couple of times. They've had four or five times, actually. I yeah. Think, right. 16, 14, and then I'll shut up, Frank. 16, yeah, no, 14, 2005, 2003, and 2001, they all had four. Are you going to shut up or not, Paul? I mean, <laughs> now I'm done. I'll tell you what. Um, texted me one, as well, two, three, up. four. So the last time they had five was 1999. Doug Flutie, Sam Gash, Bruce Smith, Reuben Brown, and Ted Washington. Um, I, I I say alternates because I I quickly noticed that like this list that Paul and I are probably working off of has like a weird thing with 2018 and 2017 not exactly being right. So like if you look at 2017 as an example, you have McCoy and Alexander picked as first you know ballot starters right sorry um no you only have alexander as a starter but then you have mccoy as a reserve and then you have incognito williams brown and gilmore as alternates um and that's 2017 so that's definitely more than five but you know off the top of off the top of the the pile this is the first time since the 90s that the bills you know do five starters and you know maybe maybe a guy like jordan poyer unfortunately is the victim of like okay nobody's quite ready to make them the patriots yet so you know maybe next year it's like the bills have you know if they if they do well this year in the playoffs and have another good season next year maybe next year is a year where like all the bandwagon voters come out and it's like yeah. they've got eight pro bowlers but you know this year i think that as a team you're pretty proud with five players none of which are the punter yeah, and also I wonder, that, and we were talking that because this is a virtual event, that they probably won't have alternates because there's no injuries that will keep people from attending the um, Madden game one yeah. tournament. Um, but at the same point, there might be some replacements because of the teams going to the Super Bowl, because those teams actually probably wouldn't want their players just goofing off and playing Madden. So I mean, I think you got to let your guy play for an hour, but maybe I don't know. So. <laughs> but also, hopefully, in that case, the Bills are not getting more pro bowlers because they're going to the Super Bowl, and therefore there are no replacements from that team. So yes, that is a very hopeful and not a not a ridiculous thing to say this year at all. Which leads us directly into playoff opponents. Uh, let's briefly dunk on the Steelers, who seem to be a four and twelve uh, team. Uh, they they're fucking bad that like, was it was tough to watch them yesterday and i texted you guys at the beginning of the third quarter i'm like oh okay they've come alive and that was literally their one good drive that was the it game. <laughs> yeah they kind of farted and the corp you know the corpse moved and it turns out they were dead all along um no they're they're bad and it's one of these things where like maybe you guys have thoughts on it Let, let's not just focus on pittsburgh let's talk about the playoff as a whole um but I can't really identify what's wrong with them other than I would say, I guess, Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, there are certainly drops in, uh, with the receivers and stuff, but he seems checked out completely, um, you know, which, you know, I, I hate to psychoanalyze players from afar. But, like, if you look at his face, he's just like, whatever. I, and Paul, I remarked with Paul last night, like, I have never seen a losing team take a knee. And I understand, like, it makes total sense that on the last play – 
you're just going to take a knee because you don't want to hurt anybody in a game you can't win. But I have never seen a team, even down two scorers, just take a knee. Like, everybody's always playing for that last pride point. You don't want to go off the field quitting, and they absolutely quit. And I wonder if that's Tomlin just trying to really send a message to his team, like, if you're going to quit, what am I doing here? Let's just not even play. Uh, they obviously have some some stuff to to work out. They fall to the three seed. Buffalo is the two seed. Let me set this up for you guys, uh, as I did. If Buffalo wins and Pittsburgh loses, and then also Tennessee loses, the Bills are the two seed. That you can't. There's no backsies on that. They lock in the two seed this week with those three things happening, um, which is what Bills and Beers bet on this week. They bet on uh, those outcomes. I sent them the Gamblers Anonymous link. Um, but, you know, the, the Steelers play the Colts in, in Pittsburgh. Tennessee plays Green Bay in Green Bay. And Buffalo goes to New England. That's certainly not an impossible ask. Even if only two of those things happen, um, Buffalo gets to like 99% locking in the two seed. Um, the one seed, you know, still far away here. Um, we have playoff teams. You've got uh Indianapolis and Tennessee both in right now fighting between the four and five seed based on who wins that division and who doesn't um Cleveland and Miami behind them and Baltimore on the outside looking in the interesting thing is Tennessee is the only team with a tiebreaker over the Bills other than Kansas City which we're going to leave the one seed alone as a pipe dream for now um based on their head-to-head win other than that Buffalo has the has the um, the tiebreaker because it would be the conference record. But, you know, one of the things talking about, we talked about last week a little, is there a distinction between the three and the four and the two seed? I think we settled on that, you know, the four seed ultimately could end up playing Kansas City in the second round versus the third round. I've since become a little more enamored as the governor has talked about, you know, trying to leave the door open for fans to play, to, to watch the game in Buffalo live, that maybe the two seed matters a bit more. Also, the second home game might matter a bit more with things like um, the turf as opposed to the field. Uh, let me go to Paul first. Paul, um, give us your playoff thoughts. You can dunk on Pittsburgh or anybody else you <laughs> want to right now. Um, but, you know, the Bills on, I wouldn't call it cruise control yet, but they're certainly you know, on a nice bit of stretch of road here with no bends coming up and they look like they can kind of handle business going into yep. the playoffs. Just watch out for those cops hidden in those uh, tree areas that you yes. might not necessarily see. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is a really advantageous position. A hundred percent to make the playoffs as I got the New York times simulator going. And we already discussed Frank just covered the scenarios by which they could clinch the two seed this week. Um, should you go all out balls to the wall to get the two seed? I don't know if you necessarily should uh, do that, but I think it's worth it for the reasons Frank mentioned. And Frank had meant, had talked about this last week too. Like if you can, you want to avoid, do everything you can to avoid Kansas city in the second round and to play on your home field for as long as possible. And I think beating the Patriots here, uh, I don't feel like I have to sell that simply because the last time a team swept the Patriots was 2000 and motherfucker. I want that to happen so bad. So 2000. I really, yeah, 2000, 20 years. Sorry, Dolphins. And hilariously, the Colts were one of the last teams to do it, uh, to sweep the the Patriots. Wow. 
So this is a real huge opportunity to do that uh, and take yet another monkey off the back. And looking at the playoffs, I am, I mean, the most fearful matchup to me, potentially fearful one, is the Ravens, which is not to say that I worry that the Bills won't beat them. I certainly would probably pick the Bills in that game, all things being equal. But the Ravens are also a team that after crapping out in the middle of the season for a little bit is now coming on, is now looking better overall week to week. They are the one of the local teams here in DC. So we get to see a, a fair number of their games. The, you know, I feel they match up well against the Browns. I feel like they match up well against the Colts. We know they don't match up particularly well against the Titans, but can the Titans really beat the Bills twice in a season? Sure they can, but do I think it's likely that's that's another thing altogether. So I really would like to see them lock up that two seed, avoid seeing Kansas City until the conference championship, even though, as I said, to, you know, to be the man, you got to beat the man. Uh, so you're going to face them eventually. But, you know, I'd say do what you can to get that week 17. Hopefully you'd play the guys no longer than, you know, a half. And if, you know, if you get the two seed grade and if you don't, you know, it happens. And then I have no thoughts really on the NFC because it's, it's kind of crappy other than uh, it is guaranteed that the, champion of the NFC East will in fact not finish any better than 500. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I don't, I don't have too much to add. I mean, I think I'm a little more concerned about the Browns maybe than Paul is. I think that's a bad matchup. They're playing well right now. They run the ball. Well, uh, that's something that I still get worried about with our run defense sometimes um, that we don't have the the big guys in the middle. To kind and they've of got two of them that. too with Chubb and, and Hunt. That's not, that's yeah. a tough twosome to stop. Mayfield's playing well. They got Landry. They got they got Hooper at tight end. They're not. There's a lot of there's a lot of guys on that team, and they're not. I don't know if they've got it all kind of figured out and hitting on the right cylinders, but they're they remind me of the Bills in a little bit. That you know if they are playing well and everything's locked in, they they're going to be a tough out. Um, I think that game worries me. But Paul's right. The Ravens also worry me. Just again with the the run defense, um, and again. Teams that can chew the clock on the Bills and kind of run the version of the, you know, the Super Super Bowl 25 kind of, you know, keep the high scoring Bills offense kind of, you know, staple to the bench, grind the clock, shorten the game and kind of and then hope you get a couple plays to balance it out and cash in and get touchdowns and not field goals. And you can do that with both of those teams. I think I'm not saying the Bills are going to lose, but I would be a little worried about those matchups. Um, hopefully, maybe if we get the Ravens, we get playoff Lamar Jackson and not regular season Lamar Jackson. But, um, you know, who knows? Uh, yeah, I mean, and then, yeah, I, I think with Pittsburgh, yeah, I mean, they're I don't know what's going on with them. Part of me thinks that they can find a way to turn it on a little bit when they get to the playoffs. But I I'd rather be playing the way the Bills are playing now and trying to keep it going rather than trying to turn the ship around after they've been playing yeah. like garbage for four weeks. Uh, now that they're in the playoffs. So I think that'll be, could be a very good chance that even if we don't get the two seed, if someone gets the Steelers in the three, excuse me, in the three or the four seed, that that team beats the Steelers and then the Bills get the second home game regardless, just because they'll be playing a de facto wildcard team that beat the Steelers. So I, I think to me that, again, the, you want to beat the Pats because you want to beat the Pats. And, and to me, the same thing that I talked about last week of, of keeping the team focused and then you give them the kind of the injury by and the, the you know, the folk, you know, the kind of one week off to rest before the playoffs against Miami the week after. Um, other than that, 
um, you know, I think the home field advantage will work itself out. Yeah, I, I, one of the nice things about being, you know, the Bills here with only three losses is they've done a good job winning on the road and at home. So I think that there's a lot to be be said for that. I, you know, Paul, I, I fully agree with you that ultimately you have to beat, you know, it goes through Kansas City here. But I do think there is a value to winning as, you know, many playoff games before you get there as possible for a team that, you know, is 0-2 in the last 20 years in the playoffs. And I don't really read too much into that. But I think it will be nice to have more stuff under your belt going into that game. That said, if they have to play Kansas City week two of the playoffs, then that's what they got to do. And I still like watching Kansas City play. I think that Buffalo is the team that can beat them if anybody's going to beat them. And I certainly, you know, do think that there's a chance. I, I think it is as much, I think I said to you guys, it is as much about Kansas City having to show up and beat Buffalo as it is Buffalo having to beat Kansas City. You know, like Andy Reid teams, like he, they won the Super Bowl last year, but, you know, he's famous for fucking blowing the, the playoffs. So, you know, like, like, let's not pretend that that's all gone now. Um, I, I think that for me, and I, you guys didn't mention it, but for me, there's something about Miami that, that pisses me off and, and, and I wouldn't say scares me, but annoys me. It sticks in the back of my brain a little. I think it's because they are a division opponent and you will be have playing them for the third time. And I do think their defense is very good. You know, I have no, yeah, they're good. I don't want to, I don't, I don't think that their offense is any good. I think that you look at that team and you, you ultimately have, you pick the bills because their offense is going to get around that defense, but I don't envy the idea of having to play Miami for the third time. And so, you know, I think they can do it. I think that there will be questions in week 17 about how hard the bills will be playing in week 17 um, to, to do that. Uh, and, and that might disguise some of the things that if you had to play Miami the following week again, but that's the that's the team that makes me feel a little icky. I can't exactly say it. The, the the other thing about the playoffs is they're all good teams now, right? Like even Baltimore, who I think would probably be the worst of the bunch, is a pretty good team. You know, Indiana and Cleveland can score points. And Tennessee obviously is, you know, beat the Bills once on a weird day. And Ryan Tannehill keeps playing well despite being Ryan Tannehill, which I just I don't fully understand. But that's that. But for me, I, you guys didn't mention it. So I'll say Miami. Um I think that there's something icky about about them. I'm going to skip ahead to injuries. We'll come back to listener questions, Paul. So maybe you could pull up listener yeah. questions while I do that. Uh, Stefan Diggs scared the shit out of me. I was in the bathroom <laughs> when I got the text from Paul that some message about him being on a cart. But he walked back out. He he seemed happy, not too injured. He has a foot issue. So hopefully it's a cramp or something going on with him that's not a big deal. That's certainly what Kim Jones of the NFL said. Um, I, I wouldn't expect him to be out for the playoffs or anything issue-wise, but he obviously is the little engine that could for Josh Allen. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he plays this week against New England um, or, or against Miami or if they just give him some time to rest. I know he's very close to the single-season record. I'm sure he would love to do that. Um, you know, before he he kind of packs it in before the playoffs. Uh, John Brown is set to return. He didn't play against Denver, um, but he was activated, so there's a good chance he'll be back. AJ Epinesa looked entirely drunk on the sidelines. <laughs> Turns out he had a concussion, probably. Sorry about that, AJ. Um, but he looked he looked like a mess. His his face and everything and his eyes were were a little sideways. I hope he's doing better. Um, you know, he is another guy who has shown up towards the second half of the season in a way. Ed Oliver, too. 
I feel like once a week I see Ed Oliver make a like a standout good play. So I'm very happy to finally see that. Um, and Daryl Williams, uh, we have no information on him. Yeah. If he hasn't been the – if Feliciano has been the best offensive lineman, I'd have to say Williams yeah. has been the brightest spot yep. on the line in that yeah. way. Um, and, and that's a huge issue if he's not available. Thankfully, a stinger is one of those things that you tend to bounce back from. My wife asked me what a stinger was. I couldn't explain it properly. I just said, like, it's weird, and then players get better. And she goes, okay. And Levi Wallace with his ankle, um, another in the list of Bills who have stepped up in the second half and really sort of filled in and made this a complete team. Um, I, I think about the baseball team that we root for, Paul. And, and mm-hmm. I, I, know, I know Scott thinks these about these guys, too. You can name all the little guys. Sp- Speaking of the little guys, shout out Howie Kendrick. Who's yeah, I was going to say, not a little guy, but that's one we should mention. But he is. I mean, like, that's, he's that's... not he's not a tier one star. But when you look at his playoff run, he has the most important moments. He is the guy who, like, makes the engine run. And if you were to soberly evaluate, like, the roster at the beginning of the season, you know, he's not at the top half of guys you need, just like Levi Wallace isn't or Daryl Williams. But when you look at the deep playoff run, those are the guys that like were the difference. And so, you know, shout out to Howie, uh, you know, forever clinging in my heart. Um, but, you know, Levi Wallace, Daryl Williams, AJ Epinesa, these are guys who have an opportunity to be that in a deep playoff run. Um, so those are your injuries uh, for that. Let's go to listener questions unless you have any thoughts on injuries, but I, I feel like they're pretty self-explanatory. We want them to be healthy. Um, but we had a lot of comments and questions, of course, uh, throughout the celebratory weekend. Paul, I'll let you decide where we're going to start here. Yeah, I'll start at the the top and I will read Stephen's question and then run to get a glass of water and be back in 15 seconds because I got to get ready for my segment. But Stephen says, uh, well, this is more of an observation. There have been a few times this season the Bills had a first and goal move backwards, sometimes by tackle for loss, sometimes by sack, sometimes by penalty. And more than once, I think, by something stupid like an uncovered tackle, which is what happened this week. I mentioned that too briefly, like all their little two yard line shenanigans. They tend to, you know, have difficulty staying you know they, they tend to go backwards sometimes from the two i would agree with that wholeheartedly yeah, and I, I would like to see better play calling down that close and that's in response to jay's comment who says since we need something to criticize does it feel weird the bills are one of the most penalized teams they're second or third in the nfl for penalties per yards how worried are you about this for playoffs versus regular seasons a uh, bigger problem or non-factor and jay longtime listeners will know jay <laughs> That I am not, not a particular... He's on this podcast, Jay. Jay? Uh, no. <laughs> I am not... I, I, I definitely, in the drought era, when there was a lot of focus on Rex Ryan's heavily penalized teams, I was quick to point out that the most penalized teams were the Seattle Seahawks and the New England Patriots. And to me, it is a, is a, it's a non-factor. It, it can explain something that's happening in a game... But as a trend, it doesn't matter because it, it like the number of yards that are adding up just don't matter. As I have said more than once, uh, you know, certainly to the guys, if not on the pod, I don't really panic when they get those penalties at the goal line. To me, those are just more Josh Allen pass yards waiting to happen. And, you know, he scored five touchdowns on, on two drives, uh, you know, this past week. That's what I look at. I say, well, great. More yards for the guys. Um 
Jay also says, for the British guy on the pod, which I assume is you, Scott, even though you're not British because Jay doesn't really listen. Um, he says the flags are the same as cards in your football, except it's completely different. And, you know, Jay, maybe your shtick's getting a little worn out here. I don't, I'm going to let Scott jump on you for a minute. Yeah, it's not really – this isn't uh, – I don't think anyone's enjoying this bit anymore. And it's mostly because Jay continues to serve up um, kind of not interesting questions and not really – do his own kind of research before coming to the pod. I spend hours getting ready for this podcast, and it's pretty clear that Jay rolls out of bed at 11 o'clock, pours himself some probably off-brand scotch that he made, you know, with mangoes and peaches, and, um, you know, uh, I don't know, probably stares at the wall for 20 minutes and then says, oh, I'm going to – what about that podcast? Let me Let me go think of a dumb question about this bills game that i watched five minutes of and i'll uh i'll shoot that over to them good i'm done with my day that's probably a normal j j day so i, I I'm, I'm not really gonna feel like i need to dignify this Frank is good the penalty issue i, I don't feel like we i will say i will say that another listener i think it was jesmond who said that jay's e text you know tweets into the show are have been very funny for him so i'm glad somebody's getting something out of it uh michael says how bought into the process are you at this point? I'm ecstatic. Maybe some of this is better for offseason, but with the AFC East in the bag, it might be a good time to reflect on how the McDermott-Bean cohort got things to where they are. You're right. That probably is better for the offseason, Michael, but I think clearly they have. And the nice thing is ownership. We didn't talk about this really, but ownership, in fact, rewarded them for that. They now have matching contracts through the next five or six years. Um and and you know you're you're locked into McDermott McBean is going to be around for quite a while, which is a very nice thing. Um, Brian Punt uh, points out that you know I think Paul must have tweeted something about quarterbacks that are tanking. You get a quarterback and it's not an automatic win. Um, you know basically Peyton Manning's the only one to take them to a Super Bowl in the last 20 years. Yep. You know Matt Stafford and Calvin Johnson couldn't get it could not get Detroit a single win. Uh, in the playoffs, it should help. It's a big problem solved, but there's so much more to do, even if the quarterback turns out to be very good, which is my thoughts on the Trevor Lawrence Jets thing. Like, even if you were to get him, what were you going to do with him? Like, exactly what you did with Sam Darnold, right? Like, I don't know. Brian is also saying, uh, and then you can read the next one, Paul. I'm starting to allow myself to believe we aren't the best team in the league yet, but I look around and this year at least they there aren't that many that are better either, and all are beatable on their day if our guys do things right. Last time I felt like this uh, since the Flutie was a quarterback, uh, I that's a 100% for me, Brian. Like absolutely, I you, I would have a hard time saying, and I and I we we put this on Twitter today. Like I I think it's hard to pretend like the media isn't giving Buffalo their due at this point. I think Buffalo's exactly where they should be, right? You have them in the top two or three or top four teams. Um, I think that's completely justified and fair. And I think that the teams that are ahead of them, you think about Green Bay, you think about Kansas City, obviously. Those are all teams that I think Buffalo can beat. The Saints, I don't know, Tampa Bay, you, you name them. Pittsburgh, they've already beaten. I, there's not a team out there that Buffalo can't beat. And I think that's exactly as good as you can hope to be at this point. It doesn't do you any favors to beat Kansas City right now other than you get a week off. And even then, they have to win the games. They have to go out and win the games even after they are anointed number one. So for me, 
Uh, I'm very happy with where they are, and I'm in full agreement with Brian. Scott, do you have any thoughts on on Brian's take there? Um, no. Okay, Paul. All right. Okay, we've we've jumped around the question, so this might not be the next one, but it is one, and I will ask it. Uh, David Furster asks, uh, how should the Bills work John Brown back into the offense once he returns mm-hmm. from IR? Since he hasn't been part of the offense much this year, I'm thinking there might be opportunities in playoffs to use Brown in unpredictable ways. And that that's a little terrifying because they've already used him to throw passes, uh, throw touchdown passes, to you know run reverses. They've used him in so many ways. I, it'd be exciting if they could find yet additional ways to use John Brown. But yeah, I think he gets a... I think they go the Milano route. I expect to see him take some snaps against the Patriots, but not all of the snaps. I think he'll play more than most starters in the Dolphins game. And yeah, I expect in the playoffs he'll be full go and teams will have not had to defend him and Diggs and Beasley all that much in games. And certainly not since the Bills have come together as an offense uh, full bore really these last few weeks. So yeah, I think it's going to pose a, a challenge. So I say they work him back slowly and then by the playoffs, he's ready to go. This is I definitely... Yeah, this is definitely a, this is definitely a wacky schedule. Like the Bills play the Dolphins, but John Brown runs only seventy five percent of his normal speed. Like he, mm. <laughs> like he, like the next two weeks, like we put him out there and we just put it on film. Oh, he's lost a step. You know, he's not. He came back from injury too soon. He's not. He's not feeling good. You know, maybe he. You know, have him drop some passes intentionally, and then yes, in the in then. You know, maybe not even in the first wild card game. Maybe we just keep him running 75% until all the way to the Chiefs game. And then we're like, then we take the governor off and then he he opens it up. I like it. This is I like it's good thinking. I was gonna either that or like stilts. Yep. Like, like big stilts, because he's a little short. And imagine how fast he would be if his legs were six feet longer and how much higher he'd be. I think we should look into this. John Brown jumps out and just yells, I too am left-handed and begins to fence with his other hand. Um, I'd like to shout out George and MJ and Jonathan, who interact with us quite a bit on the Twitter. Uh, George, AFC champs, lads. Need, our, our resident Welshman needs to need to watch the highlights, but hey, it's the first time in 25 years. Next stop, Super Bowl. Technically, no, not the next stop, George, but I like your enthusiasm. <laughs> um, uh, Tommy, Tommy, step aside. We had talked about how your Paul had said, I've been fine with the Bills clinching the AFC East, Josh hitting 4,000 yards and setting the team receptions record and racking up over 1,300 yards if this was the end of the year. And they've done this with two games to go. And Tommy was like, you know, if I can call you Tommy, 3,600 for the year and above 60% completion was what he was hoping for. Improvements are off the chart. Diggs is some addition. Well done being a bit better than the the Kelvin-Benjamin trade. I defend the Kelvin-Benjamin trade in only that, like, it didn't really cost that much either. Um, so I think that's it for this day in uh, in Bill's questions did we get, and comments. Did we get Grant's question about the most improved player this year? Oh, no, we did not. Grant, I'm so sorry. Grant, Grant who feels soiled, um, but then corrected it to spoiled. And I told him, sorry, we are going to ever remember that you felt soiled in 2020. Um, who is the most improved player this year aside from Josh Allen? Who has had a breakout year? And I think that the great thing about this question, let's do one quick um, um, deal on this. And then actually George's comment too, um, is that there's more than one answer that is right. And I'll say, I mean, I'll say Cole Beasley, because I think that he has really been here and certainly from last year has improved. And 
he has really thrived in the slot receiver role in a way with Allen and Brown, um, sorry, Diggs and Brown uh, opening things up for him. He just seems uncoverable. He just seems like he's open on every play, and it's just a matter of whether Josh Allen decides to throw it to him or not. So there you go. I'll say Levi Wallace just to differ a little bit. I think he's had his struggles this year for sure. He's been picked on. We have criticized him and me especially have criticized him at points. But I compare him to where he was last year when it seemed people completed to him at will. And except for the Steelers game where he had that last pick, he didn't really seem to make a lot of plays. I feel this year he's done a better job of making plays and especially the last four or five weeks or so. And it's kind of funny since they put him in a rotation with Josh Norman, I feel his play has improved even more. And I don't know if that's because he's trying to step it up because he sees Josh's competition or because he's not having to be out there every play. So he gets to review what he's done, right. What he's done wrong and then steps it up or whatever it is. I've been happy with Levi. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously Josh Allen's the easy one there. Those two are also, Good ones. I'm looking over the roster here to see if I can see someone who's a little more um, in the weeds. I don't think Justin Zimmer was on the team last year. Is that fair to say? That's correct. Yep. Yeah. I think he was so, with, where was he last year? I don't even remember. Uh, Jets maybe? Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, he was one guy I was thinking of. Um, you know, it's obviously, it's actually been a lot of new guys who have been really been stepping up more the last couple of weeks. I was trying to think of guys on the line. You know, Daryl Williams is obviously a new guy. Um, you know, Addison's been playing better. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I'll say, you know what, I'll say Tyler Croft. I, I don't know why we're not playing him as much other than the, the secret weapon hypothesis from last week. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but it seems like last year he had the injury, obviously, and then was clearly kind of the number two to Knox. I think Knox is still still working through the kind of rookie pains on some level. But uh, I think Croft, when he was in there, was both serving as a capable blocker and someone who we could count on to catch the ball, which when you're a tight end, like that's 90% of it. Like doing all the extra athletic things and being, you know, Algie Crumpler or Tony Gonzalez or, you know, whatever, like being the, the, the you know, the, the focal point, the Travis Kelsey of the offense, like that's all well and good. But step one is just catching the ball. And Croft has been able to do that. And I think that was something he was even having problems with last year. So I'll, I'll say Croft. All right. Let's go ahead. And look, if you want to read George's comment, which is great. We were talking about whether the Bills are overhyped or not. Um, let's go ahead and skip that for now. You can go to MNYBills at Twitter uh, and find us. You can join the conversation or be Bills mny on facebook and we will do that what we're going to do now is we're going to go ahead and we're going to get started in this day in bill's headlines we're going to do that and um i feel like we'll go ahead and do this um you know we'll go ahead and do this and we'll we'll, we'll get paul started on, the, on the, the most impressive segment in bill's uh podcast football and that's what we'll do yes we will Um, I am working on my new laptop, by the way, everyone. So I do apologize if Bill died on this day. I don't have that information on my new laptop quite yet. So we will not have this death in Bill's history, even if that's what what happened. So um, so we'll start. We're going to go all the way back. And Scott may or may not be around for this question. But if I, I feel like Frank has a good chance of getting it, possibly if not 2019. Patriots beat Bills 24 to 17, win 11th straight AFC East crown. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. How fun it is year changes. 
Josh Allen completed 13 of 26 passes for 208 yards and ran for 43 more, including a first down on fourth and one from the Patriots 30 with about three minutes left. After driving to the New England eight, Allen threw to blank in the end zone and then was sacked by Adam Butler. So who is he? Who do you throw that desperation heave to in the end zone? And you can, if you keep shouting out names, you're going to get it sooner than later, I would think. All right. So Duke Williams, John Brown. What was the year? Two, Not 2019. Last year, 2019. Yep. 2019. Uh, Cole Beasley. Knox. 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 There we go. Scott, there you go. Scott got it. So. All right. Good. Uh, big gap now. We're going back to 2014. Uh, blank takes blame for Buffalo Bills loss to Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders had third and 22 with five minutes to play in the game. If the Buffalo Bills defense could hold them one more time, the offense would get a chance to take over down by just two points. Raiders rookie QB Derek Carr scrambled out of the pocket and launched a 50-yard heave down the field. Only cornerback Blank could do anything about it as he was lined up one-on-one with Andre Holmes. But Blank didn't time his jump properly, and Holmes came down with the ball. The Raiders went on to score a TD and win by nine points, uh, or, wi- or go up by nine points and eventually won by two over the Bills, who were eliminated from the playoffs Sunday. After the game, Blank sat his lo- at his locker, kicking himself from the misplay. Um, it was a jump ball, was thrown up for grabs, easy play, went for the interception, misjudged it, jumped a little early. It was very unfortunate. It sucks. Um, yeah, and then he says some other stuff. So I'll let you guys take some guesses, and then I have some hints if needed. 2014, so this is before Rex? Um, yeah, this is like... Yes, before Rex. This would be the last Maroon Malar- year. Yeah, the year okay. they went 9-7 and seven were like, oh, they have a chance to really do something next year. And then Orton retired, and then Maroon left in like a two-day span. Yes, right. and then the, the that's when the Pagoulas bought the team. So Yeah. Um, so I will say probably not Gilmore, right? But he would have been opposite Gilmore. Um, yeah, he would have been on. Yeah, he would have been out there with Gilmore. Or, yeah, it's second or third. I so. feel like he was playing safety a lot by the end of his Bills career. Um, who is the guy from Detroit State? Leotis McKelvin? Not Leotis, but a good guess. I'll give one hint here. Born in Buffalo, New York. He went to Turner Carroll High School, which was my uncle's alma mater. So if you remember the Buffalo connection. Hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah. Not, ash, not ashing your booty. All right. Um, okay, so we're going further away. 2007. <laughs> Round five pick by the Bears. He had a long career of five seasons with Chicago, two with the Ravens, three with the Bills from 2014, 15, and 16. Then he won a Super Bowl with the Eagles in 2017, and then one more year after that. So he was one of the Jim Schwartz guys who left with Schwartz. Um, oh. Um, EJ Gain? No. No, I don't know. Yeah, I've lost it. I've lost it. All right, the answer is Corey Graham. Corey Graham. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. 2011. Bills turned to face Tebow. Denver QB Tim yes. Tebow is the main attraction, but stopping running back blank from getting traction will be Buffalo's first goal. Blank, 206 carries, 990 yards, powers the NFL's number one ranked running game that averages 163 yards per game and takes pressure off of Tebow. Is this Clinton Portis? Nope, a little after Portis. And remember, yeah. remember, usually when I throw these questions in there, there's a Bill's connection Bill's of something. Connection. Um, 
Well, he had a DC connection, which I thought maybe would, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, that's a good point. I've I've done that stuff before. Hmm. Yeah, Running back, Bills. Uh, Travis Henry. No, no, but right track. McGahee. McGahee. Yeah. Willis McGahee. That's yeah. right. He did go to Denver after Baltimore. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. All right. 2009. I would say this is normally impossible. But I feel like one of you just mentioned this guy in the last few weeks. So we'll see if it okay. happens. 2009. Terrence McGee to IR. Bills re-sign blank. Blank was waived by the Bills just last month when the club signed Brian Brom off Green Bay's practice squad November 19th. QB injuries will force Brom under center due to injuries to Ryan Fitzpatrick and Trent Edwards. And Bills head coach Perry Fuel said the team would need a healthy backup. So Brom is in Brom is in the game. Brom's going in the game. Um, I'll is, give you the background of it. Um, where is it? I is, forgot. Said yeah. Is Trent, it quarterback or cornerback? Quarterback. They put a so, cornerback on IR to make room for this quarterback. Is it Matt Flynn? It is not. This is a few years before Flinny Flynn. Um, he does have a DC connection of playing at Bishop Dennis J. O'Connell High School in Arlington, Virginia. He was a seventh round pick of the 2003 NFL draft out of Indiana by the Washington football team. He threw two passes in Washington's rookie year, and that was it for his career, though. He bounced around with a bunch of teams before landing with Buffalo. He played with them from 07 to 09. He served as a third stringer, practice squad guy usually, but he was a second stringer uh, in 2008 for the second half of the season. 03 Washington. Yep. This is oh. 09 with the Bills. This is way, way before Jason Campbell. Um, this, God damn it. It's not a household name. And again, it was one I'd be like, oh, I'm not going to give this one. Oh. But I Except, feel like it came up. Recently. Bill Webb, Tavares Jackson. No. Um, Did this guy ever play for the Bills? Uh, not, not in the regular season, preseason God, a lot of great, a lot of great highlights of this guy in the preseason. Yeah. I don't know then. I'm not going to get All it. All right. Maybe, maybe it wasn't one. Uh, they used to have a feature hanging 10 with Hamden, Gibran Hamden on the, ball. Ah, but yeah. he came up a few weeks ago, which again is the only reason I, I brought that up. All right. 2008. This is another Broncos game. I've, I've loaded up on Broncos games. Buffalo Bills show life play spoiler against Denver Broncos. The game was a shootout between. Sorry, distracted there for a second. Uh, the game was a shootout between the Bills and Denver offense today, led by quarterback Jay Cutler, who drove the Broncos toward a potential tying touchdown in the fourth quarter. A Kavika Mitchell interception at the goal line ended one Denver drive. Another was stopped when the Bills blank knocked the ball out of Brandon Stokely's hands in the end zone the closing minute. And this is, uh, again, a Bills rookie fourth-round pick. Uh, rookie fourth-round pick by the Bills in 2008 out of Akron. He played 55 games in Buffalo over four seasons. He started 13. He defended 21 passes and had two INTs and one sack. This one's going to Brian Scott. Good guess. He was on the team at that point, and he was playing back there. I feel like I get points for even knowing Brian Scott was on that team. <laughs> yeah. Now, this one's going to bother me because I feel like you're going to say it ends. But yeah. I think I'll I get give yeah. I'll give one very big hint. His name is his position. Reggie Corner. Yep. Reggie there Corner. Go. Good job. Fun fact, I watched this game uh, with the worst hangover of my life. It was a 4 p.m. game, and we were at the bar, and all I could drink was water the entire game. 
Did not even get a beer. I'd spent all day in my apartment with the lights off and still wasn't feeling good enough to have a beer. All right. Speaking of Pro Bowls, 2005, Blank is the only Bills player to earn Pro Bowl selection. The single selection the fewest the Bills have had since having none in 1986. Lack of Pro Bowl representation is a reflection of a 4-10 team that features a sputtering offense and porous defense. Ryan Mormon. Ryan Mormon. Very good. Yeah. Um, 2003, Blank buys Drew's old digs. Drew Bledsoe is finally selling his old digs to new Boston Red Sox pitcher Blank. Kurt Schilling? Kurt Schilling. I had 8 billion hints, and Frank's like, nope, I'm just going to say Kurt Schilling. You know, that Six was the time half. when he showed up well, and yeah. led through his sock and changed an election, apparently. Well, but, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. Uh, all right. 1999, two to go. Um, Blank finds mentor in Reed. So this is a, it says the Bills second year running back has turned to veteran wide receiver Andre Reed to help him navigate the ins and outs of the NFL. This was the Bills leading rusher in 1999. It was their last playoff season before the draft. They only rushed five times for 25 yards in the playoff game against the Titans with Antoine Smith taking on the future role. Sean Bryson? No, but an excellent guess because he led the team in rushing in 2000. All right, Sam Gash. Nope, nope. He was more fullback. This was his. He had three seasons with the Bills: 288 for 1,002 yards and six TDs. He was a fifth-round pick in '98 out of North Carolina. Got nothing. Mm-mm. All right, Jonathan Linton. John Linton. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and lastly, 1995. Uh, you're going to get at least half of this one. This is in celebration of the AFC's title, guys, 25 years ago. Blank and blank find. The National Football League find Miami Dolphins linebacker blank $17,500 and Buffalo Bills fullback blank $15,000 yesterday for their fight in a game Sunday. Both players were fined 10 k each by the NFL Director of Player Development for the fight, which broke out with two minutes remaining in Buffalo's 23-20 victory, which clinched the AFC East title for the Bills. Blank and Blake were ejected from the game. Blank received an additional $7,500 fine by Paul Tagliabue for conduct detrimental to the league after spitting toward the Buffalo fans as he walked off the field. Blank was penalized an additional 5K for trying to get into the Miami locker room and then attempting to bait Blank off of the team bus. Well, that would be Brian Cox Sr. Yes, Brian Cox Sr. And then who is the Bills fullback who antagonized him? Damian Shelton. Nope. This was a he was a Super Bowl uh fullback. He was on all four teams. Carwell Gardner? Carwell Gardner. Yeah. You guys were fire today. I mean you missed literally Jonathan Linton and Gibran Hamden. And that's 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 it, right? You guys had a good oh and Corey Graham. Still. Six oh. out of nine. Not job. Not job. Not a bad job. And that was uh the Stain Bills headlines for December twenty second. All right, cool. Sorry, I, I was a little shocked that I got Carwell Gardner. Okay, yeah, yeah, cool. it was well done. That felt good. Uh, Bills are playing the Patriots in a meaningless end-of-the-season game, but it's not the way you're used to it. It's the Patriots are trash, and you can hand them their ninth loss of the year, which would make them uh, have given them a losing record for the first time in God Jesus knows how long, and they already can't make the playoffs, and there's a billboard out there right outside Foxborough that's like the Bills are the best fans in football and the Bills are coming in and it's Monday night and the Bills are good on primetime 
and they're seven point favorites on the road against New England. And I'll tell you right now, I'm scared to pick the Bills. I have a weird feeling like they might lose this game, but I look at the Bills and they're just firing on all cylinders and I can't in good conscience pick the Patriots. So I am going to do it. I'm going to pick the Bills. I'm going to pick the Bills to win by exactly seven, uh, 27 to 20. No, they can't score that many points. I'm going to pick them to win 20 to 13, and that's what I'm going to pick. Scott and Paul. Scott, you go first. Uh, yeah, I'm going to pick the Bills, too. Uh, earlier in the season, the Bills won a tight one, a 24-21 win at home. Um, I think the teams have kind of diverged since then. The, the Pats needed to win that game to really kind of keep their their meaningful chance of winning the division alive um, that put them in a hole. They were able to string together one or two more wins to kind of put together enough chance at making the playoffs, but then they obviously have not done. Uh, they obviously lost again to the dolphins on Sunday. So uh, they are they're as Frank said, out of it. Um, I think, I think that the bills are going to win. I think it will not be particularly close. I am debating how what the score will be, and I'm going to say the Bills win 35 to 17. 35 17. All right. It has been uh, recorded. So, yeah, I, like Frank, I'm terrified to pick the Bills in this. I would be picking the first sweep of the Patriots in 20 years. We would be picking the first Bills sweep of the Patriots in sometime in the 1990s. And this game is, the Patriots are, are in a bit of a lull, but they they computed well in Buffalo in that first game. And if not for a Cam Newton fumble toward the end, uh, that was to bring up Justin Zimmer again, uh, this could be a they game with fire lost, different yeah. implications. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and they probably would have lost. They would have, Patriots would have been looking at first and goal. So, yeah, uh, but I, I have to pick the better team. And let's face it, the Bills have just been on fire. They are the better team than the Patriots. This game has meaning to Buffalo. And I'm going to say the Bills will win this. And I'll kind of split the difference between your scores. And I will give uh, Buffalo 24, Patriots 20. I think Patriots cover. Awesome. Well, MNY Bills on Twitter. MNY on Facebook. Uh, let your friends know. Search for maybe next year Buffalo Bills podcast. We are way over time, and I want to get you out of here. So thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Do have a very nice Christmas if you're celebrating. Otherwise, enjoy your weekend. Uh, we will see you next week when I will be slightly older than I am now, and I oh, will that's also right. I will also be um, uh, hopefully one win closer to the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs. Until then, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone.